0: first a trigger warning today's episode will include discussion of sexual assault and fgm today we're visiting a west african village that's become internationally famous for being the land of no men hello and welcome to the sixth episode of amorous histories i'm annie harrison your resident history nerd for the next half an hour Thank you to everyone who's supported me with social media follows, likes and shares. I've been feeling the love recently and I'm both surprised and grateful. Hopefully if you're new, you'll like what you hear and help spread the word. And if you haven't already found my social media pages, I'm at Amorous Histories on Instagram and Facebook and at Amorous Hist Pod on Twitter. You can find the transcripts and sources for each show on my website, which has the fresh and very professional new url amoroushistories.co.uk. and if you like your podcast available on YouTube I've started uploading episodes to my channel which also unsurprisingly is called Amorous Histories. Today I'm going to be talking about Amoja, a village in Kenya where only women are allowed to live. I first learned about the village on the at slippery when wet Instagram. So big shout out to Tia who runs that account. Go and check it out. Omoja is a village in the grasslands of Samburu in the north of Kenya. In 1990, 15 women who had survived rape by British soldiers posted to Kenya founded the village as a safe haven. One of the founders, Rebecca Lola Solly, first had the idea of creating a woman-only village when she was recovering in hospital after being physically assaulted by the men in the village where she lived at the time. Lola Solly had been targeted because she was trying to teach the women in her village about female genital mutilation and was speaking up against the sexual assault local women were being subjected to by British soldiers. Rebecca talks about deciding to start the woman-only village and leave her husband because he did nothing to prevent her attack and seemingly didn't care. In the 2015 Broadly documentary, The Land of No Men, inside Kenya's Women Only Village, Rebecca tells the host, Michelle Deswart, As a Simburu woman, you have no rights. If your husband wants to kill you, he has the right to kill you at any time because you are like property. This is a concept we're pretty much all familiar with, as women across the world continue to be treated like second class citizens who are disposable property. The Samburu tribe usually live in groups of five to ten families and are semi-nomadic. The culture is patriarchal with men making all the decisions and female genital mutilation being a stubborn tradition. Although FGM is illegal in Kenya, it is seen as an important part of the Samburu culture and girls are expected to be circumcised so that they can marry. In Amoja and its sister villages, FGM is not practiced and the women of the villages seek to educate others about this horrific act of violence. As well as FGM, child marriage is commonplace, with young girls being married to men two, three or sometimes four times their age. Many of the women in Amoja ran away from their homes after being married off to older men by their fathers or to avoid being forced into marriage. If a woman has been raped, they are seen as unclean and therefore unable to marry. Or if they're already married, their husbands reject them. I'm going to read from Julie Bindle's 2015 Guardian piece, The Village Where Men Are Banned, about the Emoja women's attempt to secure justice for sexual assault. Quote, In 2003, a group of women from Emoja met with solicitors from Lee Day, a UK-based practice that held monthly surgeries in nearby Archer's Post, to work the locals who'd been injured by bombs left behind by the British Army. The women disclosed allegations of rape spanning 30 years. Most women reported cases of gang rape by soldiers who attacked the women when they were out gathering firewood or fetching clean water. Martin Day, a partner at Lee Day, was one of the lawyers approached by the women. Day and his team gathered a number of original documents, such as police and medical records. There was a number of mixed-race children, yet relationships between Samburu and white people were unheard of. Day reported his findings to the Royal Military Police. However, the RMP came to the view that every single one of these entries had been forged, even in the strongest cases identified, says Day. They made no DNA checks on the mixed-race children because of the estimated 65,000 to 100,000 soldiers who would have been in Kenya during the 30-year period. When the RNP had concluded its investigation, Day requested the documentation back but was told it had all gone missing. The paperwork was never found. The case is not closed, says Day, but it would be extremely difficult to relaunch without the documentation. We want to argue for compensation for the women and girls who have suffered at the hands of the soldiers, says Day. Their lives were quite literally ruined. End quote. Reading that is deeply upsetting and frustrating. But equally, that's the bullshit response that I respect from the British military. Yet more men treating women like disposable property. In 2010, Kenya passed a new constitution which was the first in the country's history to recognise gender equality. The constitution set out plans to create a more diverse government with quotas in place to increase the number of women and people with disabilities. However, unfortunately, although the constitution has changed, it seems like many attitudes have not. A 2019 Human Rights Watch article entitled Who Cares About Kenyan Women? notes that, a recent national health survey found that almost half of Kenyan women aged 15 to 49 Say that they have been beaten, harassed or raped, often by someone they know. An Equality Now press release from 2021 states that 40.7% of women suffer lifetime physical and or sexual intimate partner violence. 22.9% of girls are forced into child marriages. 21% of girls are subjected to female genital mutilation. And 1 in 8 girls are either pregnant or adolescent mothers as well as a host of other sexual and reproductive health injustices among women and girls. It's clear that Kenyan women are still living in a very unequal society. A moja, which means unity in Swahili, is made up of the homes the women have built for each other and a school for their children, all surrounded by a fence of fawny branches. They support themselves by sending handmade jewellery to tourists. Lola Solly said that when the women of Amoja first started making money this way, local men would beat them and steal their earnings. In the Broadly documentary, you see the large wooden stall by the roadside where the women sell their creations. The jewellery is beautiful. The coloured beads are so bright and bold. I will share pictures of it on my social media. They also have their own socials and a website for the jewellery, which you can buy online. With the money they were making from selling their work, they decided to open a school for their children and the children from other local villages. The women in Emojo all seem very passionate about their children receiving the education they, in many cases, missed out on when they were girls. As well as selling their handmade goods, the women also charge a fee to tourists to enter the village and they recently started a campsite to host holidaymakers. The site has 12 gorgeous cottages and a restaurant. You can find out more about the campsite on Emoja's website, which I'll link on my own website and socials. Villages similar to Emoja have appeared in the Samburu region, where women rule but men are allowed to live if they abide by those rules. Nachami is a village that was started in 1998 by a group of women who had formerly lived in Emoja. Nachami, which means love, is a matriarchal village that shares its values with Emoja but welcomes men. The women are still economically independent, selling their beadwork to tourists, running a chicken farm and charging a fee for people to enter the village. They have a preschool for their children and also keep camels for their milk. If you want, you can sponsor a camel or become a friend of Nachami. The links will also be on my website. Another matriarchal village in Samburu is Supper Lake. Marianne, the chairlady of Supper Lake, lived in Emoja for four years before founding this village where men and women live together. In Supper Lake, the gender roles are reversed. The women make the rules and run the businesses and the men carry out the so-called chores like building maintenance, collecting water and caring for the animals. There's a great bit in the Broadly documentary where presenter Michelle asks Marianne if she was 18 again, would she get married? Marianne replies Definitely no, we don't give men power, because if you give them that chance, they spoil it. Michelle adds, men always fuck it up, don't they? Yes, yes they do, Michelle. The third Samburu village to follow in Amoja's footsteps is Nangida. Like Nachami and Supper Lake, Nangida, which means happiness, is a place where men and women live together in matriarchal society. Nangida seems to have less written about it than the other villages, unfortunately that's about all I can tell you about it. So three decades after Emoja was created what has the impact been? Well beyond birthing its four sister villages and teaching surrounding communities about gender equality Emoja's women are also leading the charge for land equality in Kenya. Although the country's constitution states that all women have equal rights to own property Land is often passed down from father to son, excluding women from the opportunity to have their own property. In Samburu County, they follow communal tenure, with all decisions on how land is allocated and used being made by men. According to the Kenya Land Alliance and Advocacy Network, women own less than 2% of all titled land in Kenya. But hopefully, soon the women of Emoja will legally own the grazing land a few kilometres away from their village, which they bought a few years ago with savings and donations. As an aside, the COVID-19 pandemic and continuing droughts in Kenya further threatened the well-being and livelihoods of women in the area. The reduction of tourism caused by the pandemic has directly impacted the income of Emoja and its sister villages, The droughts have contributed to an increase in domestic violence across Kenya as men decide to take out their frustration and anxiety on their wives. Women tend to bear the brunt of bad situations. Most people don't link climate change and domestic violence, but for some women that's their daily reality. I hope you've enjoyed learning about Emoja and its sister villages. I really recommend watching the Broadly documentary which is available for free on YouTube. If you like this episode, you can leave a little review or some stars on your podcast app or website. You should be able to find me wherever you get your podcasts, even YouTube. You can follow my socials at Amorous Histories on Instagram and Facebook and at Amorous Hispod on Twitter. Transcripts and sources are at AmorousHistories.co.uk. Please feel free to DM me or email me on amoroushistories at gmail.com if you have any questions episode suggestions or you want to collab thanks for listening and remember to stay sexy